I am Brother Cornell West. This is Chris Hedges. I'm Rosa Clemente. Hey, what's up? This is Chuck D, Public Enemy Prophets of Rage. And this is News Beat. Hey, everybody. This is Manny Faces, producer and host of News Beat, where we amplify the social justice issues the powers that be do not want you to hear. Now, mass protests against police brutality and the recent horrific slaying of unarmed, handcuffed African-American man George Floyd by a white Minneapolis police officer are continuing in dozens upon dozens of cities, towns, and neighborhoods across the United States. These folks are exercising constitutional rights protected by the First Amendment, our freedom of speech, freedom of the press, our right to assemble, to petition the government, and more. Yet, what we've seen day after day and night after night from those sworn to, quote, protect and serve is nothing short of sheer savagery. Peaceful protesters and members of the press have been tear-gassed, maced, and outright beaten with demands from our dictator-in-chief to, quote, dominate those expressing these rights and issuing threats to enlist the U.S. military to suppress us. A New York Supreme Court justice also recently denied habeas corpus to more than 100 demonstrators locked up by the NYPD, refusing to release those detained for more than 24 hours in overcrowded jail cells during a global pandemic. In response, we're releasing one of our most powerful episodes to date, Criminalizing Protest, which dissects the physical and legislative assaults by the federal, state, and local governments against the people's constitutional right to dissent. It features insights from several of those on the front lines of this war. Erin Wise, youth voice amplifier for indigenous woman-led collective Seeding Sovereignty, Alice Sperry, a reporter at independent news outlet The Intercept, and Vera Eidelman, a staff attorney with the ACLU's Speech, Privacy, and Technology Project. And our extraordinary musical guest for this episode punctuating all this with incredible lyrical interpretation is our co-artist-in-residence, hip-hop fusion artist and educator, Liquid. After listening, please remember to share the love and help us do what we do by subscribing to Newsbeat via your favorite podcast or audio streaming app, leave a rating and review, and spread the word about our work if you can. To learn and hear more, just visit us, usnewsbeat.com. Once again, this is Manny Faces. On behalf of the entire Newsbeat and Moy Creative Studios teams, we wish you the best during these turbulent times. Here it is. This is Criminalizing Protest, the U.S. government's militarized and legislative crackdown on people's right to dissent. Martin County Sheriff's Department. Hi, um, I need to report um, an assault. Okay, where did it occur at? Um, it's happening right now. Okay. Um, it's, what town? It's on the um, sacred, uh, it's up at uh, Standing Rock. There are innocent, unarmed people being attacked with water in uh, freezing cold temperatures. Um, okay. Unarmed people. It's happening right now. There are militia-style police firing at point-blank range with high-powered mace um, on unarmed people. Who protects the, the people? I arrived in August of 2016. I had inadvertently sent my little brother and sister up there trying to get them to do something post-college, and um, they pretty much uh, showed up, made a bunch of friends, and when I got there, they were like, hey, Lisa, this is our big sister, she's going to take care of us, and all of a sudden I had like 30 youth to care for. In that time, after the International Indigenous Youth Council was formed, 
we experienced our first act of violence directly from the uh, mercenaries that worked for the Dakota Access Pipeline. And they unleashed dogs on our women um, and men and had um, dogs biting and making our people bleed. Are you telling the dogs to bite the protesters? The dog has blood in its nose and its mouth. It is still standing here threatening. You can't put your blame on the dog. You're an evil woman. You can't put your blame on the fucking dog. That was in September 2016 in October. Um, we had our first use of Brent militarized police force when they came to raid one of our prayer camps. They actually brought in tanks and um, these MRAPs, various, I guess, different weaponries, um, like these loud sound um, equipment monitors that emit this really awful, awful noise that kind of make you want to drop to your knees and you lose all your equilibrium. I have to use uh, headphones or earphones because they have a, a sound gun that they turn on ever inter intermittently and it freaking hurts. They also brought in water tanks that they didn't end up using until November. At another point, they escalated from um, the mace that they had been using to tear gas, and the tear gas to the concussion grenades that they shot into the crowds at people. Um, they were shooting military-grade beanbags at us, um, rubber bullets. We also had several instances of uses of water cannons. Actually, the water, they were pumping the water that we were trying to protect into these water cannons to shoot them at us in negative 25 degree weather in the middle of November. It, it seemed like what started with, you know, attacks on us from these mercenaries that had been hired by the pipeline companies then escalated to the involvement of the local and state governments, um, the state-sanctioned violence, which then moved into inviting police and law enforcement from five neighboring states that then came in support with the National Guard to stand against a bunch of natives in moccasins fighting to protect water. There were a lot of people, water protectors, activists, allies, who gathered near the Standing Rock Reservation in North Dakota to challenge a pipeline that was being built by the government there through the water of the tribe and creating a lot of other environmental problems. The state and local police reacted quite seriously by surveying and by trying to shut down the protests. The FAA also enacted what are called no-fly zones to limit the ability of drones and other media to document what was happening, especially around some of the biggest police activity um, that was happening on the ground. The protests were successful in stopping the permit for a bit, but then ultimately the construction continued. And not only the protesters were arrested and affected, but also individuals who were there to document the protests, including reporters like Amy Goodman and also indigenous reporters. There is an arrest warrant out for journalist Amy Goodman because she had the audacity to be a journalist. She was reporting on the Dakota Access Pipeline and the Native Americans that have been protesting it, reporting on dogs being geared toward uh, some of the protesters in a violent fashion. She got arrested for trespassing. 
One of the big trends that we've seen with this anti-protest legislation generally is that it seems to be reacting to the most successful, most powerful tactics that are used by protesters. So a lot of the bills that we've seen respond to the anti-pipeline protests near Standing Rock and other related protests, also racial justice protests in Missouri that shut down highways to protest the police killing of Mike Brown. So it really is rather than reacting with substantive change to the things that the protesters are speaking out about. It looks like state legislators are reacting to the tactics and trying to make that attempt to make their voice louder actually quieter, making it harder for them to speak out and talk about the things that they find troubling in society. I see you, do you see me when we see us, they just can't see Power to the people, not to cut you up, but human beings ain't illegal. My body is the cage and my spirit needs freedom. We all need freedom. The First Amendment afforded, we sought it when you bought us. That nobody owned us, so always like Britain when you fought them. It's oppression. You dressing fascism, it's classism. Economic cataclysm, that's true capitalism. One thing I know for certain, if it's hurting, then they working. They dig beneath the surface, cause we found our true purpose. Uh, and we all know it's worth it. We're sovereign, it's protected, and our presence make you nervous. There is growing outrage tonight after an unarmed African-American teenager was shot and killed by police in the St. Louis suburb of Ferguson, Missouri. On the streets of Ferguson, Missouri, outrage and anger. Protesters of different ages and races demanding answers in the shooting death of 18-year-old Michael Brown at the hands of a policeman. I was in Ferguson just three, four days after Michael Brown was killed in 2014. And I saw something very similar to then what happened in Sandy Rock later play out in Ferguson, which is, you know, like a suburb. My first day in Ferguson, I saw police just tear gas. People in, in the streets in the middle of the afternoon at the McDonald's, there were like families with children. It was an absolutely peaceful demonstration. And, and, you know, you've all seen Ferguson and you've kind of seen videos of what happened in the next days. Things only escalated. Uh, we were getting, we were closer to the quick trip where a group of protesters had been trying to assemble. Police was pushing them off the street and telling them um, they will be subject to arrest. I think for a lot of people, you know, in, in my generation, that's probably a pivotal moment. Uh, that's just because we have short historical memory. I mean, political policing in this country goes a long way back, and and the tactics and technology that have been deployed have always been warlike in, in a sense. The FBI's director confirmed it to Congress this week. We've done it in Baltimore. We did it in Ferguson, as I recall. Using sophisticated surveillance aircraft if a city requests help. Through a freedom of information request, the ACLU obtained documents detailing the FBI's surveillance during the riots and protests, 10 flights, and 36 hours of surveillance over Baltimore. I, I think Stanley Rock is certainly comparable to police deployment that we've seen in Ferguson, in Baltimore, in other places in recent years, uh, as the Black Lives Matter movement and the movement for police accountability have taken to the streets in the last few years. But I think it's also important to remember what's unique about Standing Rock. I mean, this was really a dispute over a pipeline that was also a dispute over land and whose land this was, and, and particularly the land around the Standing Rock protest grounds where the pipeline crossed. That's disputed land. That's land that, according to treaties between the U.S. government and Indian nations, belong to the Indian nations and that the U.S. government just sort of annexed over the years. And so from the perspective of a lot of the indigenous activists that were at Standing Rock, 
This was not really their police coming and tear gassing or, or hosing them with freezing water in winter or using all kinds of other technology on them. It, it was a foreign military force intervening on sovereign land, their land. Just a little bit of context. A little bit over a year ago, The Intercept got a tip from a contractor working for Tiger Swan, which is a mercenary security firm. And this firm had been doing a lot of contract work overseas, mostly in Afghanistan and Iraq. But at this point, they were working in the U.S. for energy transfer partners, which is the oil company behind the Dakota Access Pipeline. They had hired them, you know, supposedly to, to do security work for the pipeline. But what the documents that this tip ended up revealing showed is that actually the kind of work they engaged in was much more sweeping and broad. It was really a massive surveillance project that Tiger Swan undertook on behalf of energy transfer partners. For months, they surveilled, infiltrated um, activist communities, both at Standing Rock and then later in, in their neighboring states, and they started following progressive groups all across the country. And, uh, and the documents we obtained um, include detailed descriptions of, of all of this surveillance work. They named hundreds of people that were involved in pipeline protests. And in some cases, you know, they revealed that the private security firm were following them around, chasing them with their cars, definitely doing a lot of surveillance on social media, as well as doing radio eavesdropping and, and using all kinds of technologies to listen in on, on these movements as, and, again, infiltrating them as well. And then in addition to this, what the documents also showed is that this company didn't really limit itself to surveillance, but they also engaged in essentially a propaganda effort by which they were creating their own news reports and sharing them on social media and you know, trying to put a spin on the narrative around the protests. So it was really quite extraordinary. It was far beyond what we think of security companies as doing in, in these kinds of situations. It's really quite fascinating and it does show the background that this firm had in the war on terror in Iraq and Afghanistan. Some of the memos that we obtained. At some point, these memos described the water protective movement, which is a, a peaceful movement, as an ideologically driven insurgency with a strong religious component. And they even compared the anti-pipeline protesters to jihadist fighters. They have this absurd quote that I like to, to read to people because it just kind of shows the insanity of it all, where they basically say that the water protector movement generally followed the jihadist insurgency model while active. And so we can expect the individuals who fought for and supported it to follow a post-insurgency model after its collapse. It's a full-on terrorist attack. Mass surveillance keep the rioters intact. But that's a lie, and we know the full facts. U.S. patrol on the troll as you stroll, my facial recognition tally of the toll, my. We in the streets, you can wear that blindfold, my. From Standing Rock to Ferguson, we on our own, my header. We in an open-air prison, tear gas, freezing water. It's beyond chilling. No more division, no well-wishing. In dark days, we the prism. You want this oil, we the chrism. Uh, you want this soil, you a pilgrim You did this to our ancestors, not our children The urgency is beyond this urgency Who you call when 911 is the enemy emergency North Dakota lawmakers are proposing new legislation that could make life tough for any future protesters there. That legislation includes an exemption if motorists accidentally injure or kill a protester by running over them on the road. It comes after months of rallies against the Dakota Access Pipeline and confrontations with police. 
As far as any protest bills that have been introduced in North Dakota, I mean, they're not they're not just there. Here um, in Minnesota, the state that I'm currently in, they're introducing um, anti-protest bills as well because people here are gearing up to fight line three. Um, we have anti-protest bills in Virginia because they're fighting, I think, the transatlantic pipeline out there. We have anti-protest bills going up in Canada because they're fighting Kinder Morgan. You should leave! You should leave! Because those seats you sit in will be replaced by somebody who will grab the angry crowd erupted after the House Civil Law Committee approved a bill which would allow protesters to be sued to recover costs for what the bill calls illegal demonstrations. Most of what we've seen has been state legislation, and that is actually where most of this change can happen. So that's really the level to watch because most laws that have to do with protest, they come in the form of criminalizing or adding penalties to things like trespass and obstruction of traffic. And those are things that are criminalized generally at the state level. We see that even in the specific terms of the legislation where they really try to mischaracterize this peaceful protest as economic sabotage or economic terrorism, completely misconstruing what these folks are doing and using language, which is obviously incredibly powerful, to change the way that protesters are seen in people's minds and how protesters may even be willing to perceive themselves in terms of, you know, worry about associate themselves with something that they don't believe themselves to be associated with. So North Dakota was the state that saw by far the most of these bills actually pass into law. Other bills that were proposed included these quote-unquote hit-and-kill bills that basically said that a driver who was exercising his quote-unquote right to drive would not be held liable if he accidentally hit a protester who, you know, happened to be pushed off of the sidewalk into the street at a mass protest. Other versions did focus on what legislators deem quote-unquote critical infrastructure sabotage or their attempt to protect critical infrastructure that really, in other words, is targeting anti-pipeline protests that focus on trespass specifically of quote-unquote critical infrastructure, which isn't necessarily even a term that's been defined before in some places or where it has been, there's already a law prohibiting this. I think what's most at stake right now with the government treating environmental stewards and protectors and defenders the way that they are is that we're standing to lose our humanity. We don't even recognize that that life in its most basic and intrinsic form, even in the soil, even in the marrow of the earth, the riverbeds, you know, the waterways, we, we don't even value that enough anymore. How is it that we're going to march for our lives and save our children or, you know, stop war with Russia or whatever it is, you know, that we're, we're up against due to Trump's insanity? How, how is it that we're even going to save ourselves if we don't even have humanity enough to allow people that are trying to protect the very earth that we walk upon? We stand to lose resources, of course, you know, we stand to lose um, more more women, right, to the effects of sexual violence that occur with pipeline and extractive communities. And we, we stand to lose more children due to the lack of resources invested in their communities to suicide. And we, we stand to see 
even in non-native communities, we stand to see more marginalized communities, likely communities of color, be impacted at various points of extraction from the extraction of the fuel itself to the plastic that is made to the lack of water that is in the community, fresh water for the community like in Flint, Michigan. But the incinerators that are there in Detroit are pumping out you know, this awful air that's impacting surrounding communities. So not only does Flint not have water, they can't breathe. And I mean, we, we stand to see so much more from losing our humanity and valuing the earth so little that we don't even value life itself and don't even see a necessity to protect people in any way. I, I think we stand to lose that. And we, we also, we're going to lose our home. We don't really have a say in what the earth is going to do. And as, as proven through time, the earth will shake off whatever's on top of it and reboot. And I, I 100% wouldn't blame the planet for, you know, thanking us for diligently fucking her up and then um, making her exit. I think that it would be her right and, you know, those of the ancestors that came before us to say, what the hell, you know, we did all we did so that you could be there and this is how you repay us. Nothing left for the future, only enough for yourself. Yeah. These raps will battle the M raps. We won't bow, we frick when you frack. Friction for your diction on extractivism, activism is a right. We don't need permission. But 20 states want America great. Since Trump is head of state, martial law awaits. Both Dakotas, Tennessee, and Oklahoma seal their fates. Don't wait, get to the polls before it's too late. You impose a right to drive. I have a right to be alive. Can't trespass on land where my ancestors died. It's mine. Who? It's mine. It's mine. Who streets are streets? You and I, we seek. Hungry for the truth, so we'll eat for your leaf. Thirsty for the proof, so we flood in the streets. We on the beat, they on the beat. Who lasts? We'll see. See?